When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. What do you tell people when they're asking, oh my gosh, what happened? Like this bright-eyed 18-year-old girl goes to school and then all of a sudden dies. Hey, Michelle. Hey, darling. Oh, I'm sorry you get me on a morning when I've had coffee, ADHD medicine, and I haven't talked to anybody yet today. I think that we're going to be on the same level because I just took my ADHD medication, just drank my coffee. It's 1030. Is that too late for you to take it? No, because I don't go to bed until like midnight. So that's fair. Yeah. It's like a 14 hour thing. Um, I'm like nursing this coffee because I'm almost out of cream. Oh, yeah. Can I, I don't want to toot my own horn here, Okay. but toot toot. I have almost completely given up Starbucks. Wow. Yeah. Like it's because I'm poor, but (laughs) it was like the vice. It was like the thing. Like I don't spend a lot of money on almost anything really, but like every day I would go to Starbucks at least once and my coffee is only like $3 and 15 cents, but it adds up. It adds up. We discovered we really like the Costco instant coffee and we've been turning it into iced coffee. Oh, yeah. It's real. It's like really good. Oh, I want to try it. But the problem here now is that I drink 17 coffees a day. Because you just have coffee on tap. It's just, yeah, like it's just in my fridge ready to go, but not today because I'm out of cream. So this is like, I've got to go get cream if I'm going to have more coffee. Oh my goodness, a dilemma. And did you know for less than a cup of coffee, you could you could adopt a child in a third world country? I don't think that's yeah. true anymore because coffee no. is like $4. Yeah, it'd be like... Less than a McDonald's meal or something. Yeah, less than a <laughs> value meal. You too could... Yeah, I, I this just brought back like some kind of core memory oh, for me. Oh my goodness. Ma'am, can you Pardon please me. get it together? What was that? I have no idea. Oh, I think my cup just fell over. It's okay. Your cup spilleth over? Yes, it is. But anyway, my core memory, my family sponsored a girl in Africa. Uh Uh-huh. And I remember her picture was on our fridge. I considered her my sister. Wow. If I would have been like six, seven, eight. Yeah, yeah people would be like oh like how many siblings do you have and I'd be like I've got two sisters oh my gosh and so funny like now that I now that I'm older and I understand the it's a bit scammy how some of those organizations 
work, like UNICEF and stuff. It, like it, we weren't sponsoring her specifically. It's not right. like she single just a face to it. Yeah. yeah. They were like, yeah, use photo 21 a yes. Send it to that family. <laughs> and I remember being devastated when my parents stopped like sponsoring because like they abandoned my sister. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so my parents also adopted a girl from another like sponsored, country. not adopted. Sorry. Sponsored. <laughs> and we had her picture also, and my dad used to hold up her picture and say that it was the daughter he always wanted. Oh, my <laughs> God. So we had a bit of a different, I had a bit of a different feeling towards my sister. Oh, my God. That's really funny. <laughs> so yeah, we didn't, wow. It was so funny. Yeah. Anyways, uh, this is okay. Another random thing. <laughs> I just said the word wow. And one of my friends, Lana, I know she's going to be listening because she listens to this podcast. And okay. she said, every time you say wow, I just hear what's his name? Wow. Owen Wilson. Owen yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. And she said she'll play it while she's at the office. And so like her coworkers hear it. Oh, so now so every time since she's told me that I say, wow, I'm like, oh my God, I need to edit that oh, out. So Lana, that, that wow really was funny. for you. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. How is your week going? Pretty, you know, when you give two weeks notice at a job, even if you're leaving on good terms, or if you're leaving on bad terms, like it doesn't matter. It right. is painful. It is like walking uphill in sand. I I just, I'm done. Like I checked out and so yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I'm excited for the next thing. And so it's been just, it's been a challenge to show up and do my job yeah. every day. Yeah. And, but I have three more, like we're listening, this episode will be on a Tuesday. So tomorrow's my last day. We're oh, recording wow. on a Sunday. So I have three days of work left. Crazy. And then, yeah, I took off a couple of extra days and had my long weekend. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I liked the question that one of our friends commented on your Facebook saying, does this mean you get to take home an animal once a week? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, it's just once a month. But yes. Once a month. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start that with maybe, so I don't, if I could, okay, taking away the ethics of not owning a wild animal as a pet. Right. I think I would want... I'm trying to think what I might want. I think like a lemur or uh -huh. like a spider monkey. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would Nothing, want a penguin. You, I, I would just, just so feel this. I don't know this like contradicts, but like I think I would be really sad to own anything that has to live outside like a horse or a rhino or because yeah. Oh, yeah. I want it inside my house with me. <laughs> but like, so a penguin, I would just always feel like I want it in bed with me cuddling. Right. Right. But like it's probably would prefer to be in its cold climate, however. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You let us know how it goes. Yeah. With your <laughs> <laughs> Keep us updated. Oh my God. How was your week? It was okay. I worked a lot. I worked, like I said, I worked six, day, six days in a row, but it was good. We started doing nightly walks with the kids. So yeah, that's really um, cute. Yeah, so we just walk around. We have like a quite a large block, so we do it like two or three times. Oh, and the kids go on their bikes or walk, and it's been nice. It's been a nice little routine, I guess, at the end of the day to 
walk around. And I think it's such a nice, it's like building what a good routine that I think more people should have about doing something to decompress at the end of the day and connect with your family or just yeah. with yourself. And yeah, the kids are excited for it. They always talk about like, when are we going to go for our walk? So Aww. it's been good. And we haven't really been able to do a lot this summer and it's already almost August. So yeah, we haven't done any trips or camps or anything like that because I've been working so much. So it's just kind of a nice thing to be able to do every day, except I don't know if you were like this as a child. I know I was, and I don't know if, uh, the girl that I'm going to talk about is listening because I know she listens to our podcast, but my friend Alex from elementary school broke her arm and I remember wanting to have a cast, like wanting oh, totally to break my arm and be yeah. like her. Claire the other day fell off of her bike and hit her arm in a funny way and I was like, oh crap, like what happened when she was favoring it and crying like quite a bit, but it was later and I was like, she's probably just tired and I was trying to get her to move it a little bit or squeeze my finger, but it was almost like she was trying to make it seem more hurt than it was. And so then yesterday while she's riding her bike, she's doing it like in a really unsafe way and like falling over. So now she's falling on purpose because she wants to (laughs) like seriously, like I, I get it. It's it's an attention thing. It's a cool thing, whatever. But I'm like, you're going to actually hurt yourself and we're not going to believe you first of all. Yeah. And then I said to her, if you can't ride your bike in a safe way, we're not riding your bike anymore, you know? <gasps> so, you. yeah. So she got over it. But then she started like walking and then purposely tripping. And I'm like, <laughs> girl, oh, stop. <laughs> I was like, you look ridiculous. And so I'm like, I guess this is just like, you know, she's the youngest in the family and she wants some extra attention. Yeah. But it's just funny. But I do remember being a kid and wanting a cast. Yeah, I tried to fake at the eye doctor like I wanted glasses. Oh, yeah. And so I tried to fake bad eyes, but I had great yeah. eyesight. And I also was jealous that I couldn't get braces, like the big clunky oh, metal. Oh, yeah. 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 I think it's so funny at the eye doctor because I have terrible eyes. Like, I don't even, I don't have to fake it. But it, it always seems like the eye doctor is trying to trick you. Because then I think it probably is a lot of kids who are like pretending to not have good eyesight, but the eye doctor is like one step ahead of them. But yeah. I always feel like, is this one better or is this one? I'm like, I don't know. What's the right <laughs> you answer? Tell me, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That's really that's funny. funny. We have maybe one of the biggest announcements this the podcast world has ever experienced oh wow that is maybe i built it up too big now a little we have talked for a few weeks now about our we every episode we try to talk about our patreon yes and so for those who don't know about patreon it is a monthly subscription where you get i always want to say ad-free episodes like we don't have ads in our episodes right now but one day we will you get ad-free episodes and we they're bonus you get two bonus episodes per month that you'll Mm -hmm. never hear on the main feed and we also give away a few other perks depending on the tier that you sign up for we are launching a new tier on our patreon on august Mm -hmm. 1st and i'm just excited about it I'm excited. It's going to be an extra episode every month for our $10 listeners. And it's going to be not only audio, but video. And we're inviting some of our podcast friends and other friends of the podcast to come on and chat with us about 
just silly topics or important topics or whatever we decide that week. And yeah, we just launched our first one that was available to all of our Patreons, but next month it will be only available to the $10 Patreons. Yeah. And we're going to do, so $10, we're going to do, you get two bonus episodes every month, a day early than Mm -hmm. everybody else, or than the $5 tier. You get entered into every one of our draws twice. You get that third bonus episode that also comes in video. And you're going to get, we're also launching a new merch store. Yes. And you're going to get a discount on our merch store when you're at that level, like forever. As long as you're at that level, you get a discount. And we're going to, our first 10 ten dollar patrons we're gonna send them a little thank you package with some never before seen items Ooh, yeah amazing I'm yeah excited. i'm i think it's yeah gonna be i'm so fun. i think so i'm really excited about it yeah it's just yeah. a way to get more content from us and more opportunities to win prizes and things like that so very exciting and our new merch store will be available to everybody we'll think of a fun way to launch that i was just showing michelle some of the stuff that i was designing and i created some adult coloring pages i know they're so good i'm so excited for those like i'm gonna print them out and color them because absolutely like i love sitting with your kids just sometimes just while the tv's on just coloring yeah. But I don't always want to color kid themed. <laughs> yeah, Paw Patrol, yeah. Bear Bears. I don't know. For what a mature. Do. But for a mature audience. <laughs> anyway. Amazing. Yeah. Let's get into this week's episode. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hello, Taylor. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm enjoying this super hot summer weather. (laughs) Yeah, we were just saying it's like better not to complain because in the winter, it's the worst. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. So I will take this heat wave over this heat wave and mosquito bites. I feel like I'm like scratching all over because I've been attacked by mosquitoes. Oh yeah. I feel like they, they love me mosquitoes. Yeah. I hate them. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm very popular amongst mosquitoes. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. We've been so excited to chat with you. We connected over, I feel like I messaged you on Instagram and you were so gracious to come on our little podcast. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you guys for having me. I've been really excited for this too. Awesome. Yeah. Your story is really interesting. I would love it if you introduce yourself, tell us like a little bit about you and then we'll get into it. Sure. Of course, my name is Taylor Balfour. I guess I identify myself as like a writer, a poet. I still from time to time do some journalism work and my presence online mainly focuses on like awareness about a lot of different topics, but in specific in regards to my story and my family's story and specifically my sister's story, I talk a lot about addiction, specifically drug and opioid addiction. And I also try to talk a lot about mental health and about grief and grieving and sibling loss. Yeah, that's so important. We talk about our own therapy and our own mental health. And one of the things I love is that you bring a sense of humor to it where appropriate. And that is definitely our style. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If we're not laughing, we're crying. Yeah. Sometimes a bit of both. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I've been laughing and it is rolled into crying before. And you are Canadian. You live in Saskatchewan. Yes. Yeah. So your sister passed away. So where's the best part to talk about your story? Where does it start? I mean, first I guess talk a little about my sister and kind of yeah. who she was. Her name was Rachel. She was this like blue eyed blonde hair bombshell. <laughs> she loved technology and she loved animals and she was going to school to pursue a career in computer science. She was doing computer science and business. So she was minoring wow. in business and majoring in computer science. She loved like artwork and drawing. She had one of those like electronic digital drawing tablets because yeah. she wanted to start getting more into animation because she's always been a fan of animation. She loved leather jackets and Slurpees. And Coca-Cola, mm -hmm. we now have a rule where we can't allow Pepsi in the households. We can only have Coca-Cola. <laughs> Otherwise, she's going to come and curse us or something. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess the big part of her story would begin in around 2018. Late August, early September of 2018 is when she moved for school. And so that was from us, give or take an eight-hour drive away. And she was really excited to go. We had checked out the school before. She was really excited that she got Got accepted. And so we helped her move into her little dorm room, which was like a one person room. So it was just her, which she loved because she was a very private person. She was really loving her time out there. She turned 18 in October. So she went out for like friends with a drink for the first time because that's so exciting. And then really the last time that any of us got to see her was for Christmas. So December of 2018 leading into January of 2019. She came home for Christmas for, I think it was about two weeks. Like she arrived on Christmas and then left a few days after New Year's. During that time, you know, we hung out pretty much all day every day when she was here because we like we're we were such an interesting kind of combo of sisters. When we were younger, especially, we would fight all the time. And then as we got older, we just liked each other's company a lot. Yeah. Like we had the same sense of humor and we liked all the same things. So oftentimes people would be like, you guys don't seem like sisters. And it's yeah. like, oh, don't worry. Like we are, we <laughs> still have our fair share of like little arguments, you know, yeah. all siblings do. So January comes and goes and me and her text pretty much every day. We always send each other memes. That was our big thing because <laughs> we had the same yeah. sense of humor. So as we get closer to February, we're still regularly texting, but as of about February 2nd, we hadn't heard from her. So February 2nd in 2019 was a Friday. So we hadn't heard from her all weekend. And we were kind of like, she's 18 and she's going to university like a province away. She's probably just hanging out with friends, right? She has friends there that she loves. She like likes going to her classes, but she was definitely stressed and anxious about school, about finals, about like her new semester, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And then Tuesday rolled around, which was the 5th of February, and we still hadn't heard from her. I had texted her like really late on February 1st. I texted her late one night because I was at a student event and she was asking me for the Netflix password. I said, <laughs> I didn't know you got to ask dad. I have no idea. So February 5th rolls around. We still haven't heard from her for a while. And I am on campus at my university waiting to go to class. I get a text from my dad and he says, have you heard from your sister? And I said, you know, no, I'll text her. Cause my view at the time was maybe she's mad. Like maybe something happened and she just doesn't want to talk to them. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I sent her a text and I still remember what it was. I said, yo, 
was life because that's how we would start conversations with each other. So I went to class and my class was about an hour, 15 minutes or so. As class ticked on, I remember feeling more and more nervous and I couldn't pinpoint why because at the time I'm like it's early on a Tuesday maybe she's in class or she's busy you know but I could feel it in my gut class ended and I went straight home it's like middle of prairie winter so I'm parking my car in the garage and I see my mom's car there and my mom like almost never stays home from work so I'm like this is weird I go inside and my mom is sitting at her desk in the upstairs bedroom and I go in and go like hey what's going on why are you here she said I'm really worried about Rachel and her computer she was booking a flight to Edmonton to go and check up on her and she said I'm really worried that something is wrong and she starts crying and she says you two mean the world to me I just I can feel it it's like mom instinct she could tell that something was going on yeah yeah. Is your sister the type to answer texts right away or was she present a lot on social media? Did she post a lot of things so you could tell like when she dropped off or not really? Not really. She wasn't really huge on social media. She had a Facebook account for her to contact with other people in like her dorm area because that yeah. was the main way that they made like group chats and communicated about meetings. She was fairly quick to respond to texts, but sometimes it wasn't instant. It would be in like that hour, those few hours, but she was still fairly like on top of it. She was a tech person. So she like always had her phone on her, but yeah, you know, time continues to pass. And I do remember the one social media website that she visited regularly was Reddit. And I did not know her username. At least I can't remember what her username was, but she always frequented the subreddit for her university because she's like, oh, this is so fun and so funny. Like they're posting memes about campus life and that kind of stuff. For some reason, I felt compelled to check it. And there were two different threads talking about a suicide in her hall, in her building. And my heart sank because I was like, oh no, that can't be her. That must be someone else. Like it has to be someone else. But this was posted maybe within that last like hour or two. And I was like, okay, this is a little freaky. So I was trying to like eat and do something else to distract myself for a little while. But it was obviously, it was really nagging at me. Uh My dad comes home, asks if we've heard from her. We say no. And at this point, my mom has already called the university multiple times to ask for a wellness check. And they were a little hesitant at first. Essentially, she said, she's 18. We haven't heard from her in a few days. And the school kind of said, she's 18 and she doesn't want to talk to you. She doesn't need to talk to you, which is true. But my mom was like, I just want a wellness check to make sure that she's okay. She doesn't have to talk to me, but I need someone to see her. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so what my mom even told the campus was, if she's okay, just tell me that. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't need to contact me. Like you don't need to force her to call me. Just let me know if she is okay. My mom would call back and would ask like for updates and they would be vague. Now we know why, but they were very vague. Oh, we're working on it. Oh, we're figuring it out. A few hours later, it's like just after 2 PM in the afternoon, there's a knock on the door, which is weird because almost always we get the doorbell and I'm in my room upstairs and I hear this knock and I open the door 
And I see two police officers standing at the bottom of the stairs and they go, are you Miss Balfour? My mom says yes. And they say, we regret to inform you that we found your daughter deceased earlier today. (sighs) And I like fell down the stairs pretty much because how do you like respond to that? And because at that time, we didn't really know what had happened. Mm. And we're all like, obviously crying and panicking. And one of us, I can't even remember which one, one of us asks, do you know what happened? And one of the officers says, we don't know for sure, because we just found out today, but it looks like it was an overdose. It looks like it was drugs. And of course, now it's been three years. So we got like the autopsy and like the coroner's report and all of that, like the toxicology report. So now knowing like what state she was in, it was physically obvious that it was an overdose. Like they could look at her and tell that it was one, but It was complicated because during that time leading up to us receiving those reports, we had no idea why. We didn't know if it was a suicide. We didn't know if it was an accident. We didn't know if it was like a party thing that had gone wrong. Like we we didn't know what had happened. So for those next few months, we just needed to wait and to see. But it was also complicated because what do you tell to people when they're asking, oh my gosh, what happened? Like this bright-eyed 18-year-old girl goes to school and then all of a sudden dies. And all we had said at the time was she's died in an accident. And people were like, oh, it was a car crash or, oh, it was this or it was that. And it's complicated because we don't even fully know. So what do you say to those people? Did she use drugs at all or drink? Was that something that she- Oh, yeah. So I knew that she drank, like we would drink together from time to time. And of course, when she turned 18 on her 18th birthday, she went out for drinks with like her friends because in Alberta, that was the legal drinking age. So right, you could go to a bar with your friends. I didn't really know about her drug use. Now we know that she had been using prior to her death. Because again, she loved Reddit and like in hindsight, I do regret doing this, but when she still lived at home before she moved, we would play like all the same video games together. And she had commented that on this one subreddit for one of the games that we loved, she had said, oh, I made this thread and the responses are so funny and let me read some to you. So I was browsing that same subreddit and I saw the post. And Rachel really valued her online privacy. And so she said, hey, if you want to like comment on each other's stuff, let me know because I'll make a different account so that my account can still stay private. Mm -hmm. And I felt really bad because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's her username. And I debated like, should I read through her account? Should I not? Like, and I did. And I regret it because I feel like that's not fair. But Mm -hmm. she was posting in Reddit forums about speed which is the colloquial term for methamphetamine. And me being innocent, I was like, well, I know that's something, but I don't know like how hard of a drug it is. So I started reading stuff like that. And she was posting in forums about like depression and anxiety. And those weren't new. Like we talked about that all the time, but I felt really guilty. So I like closed out and I said, nope, we're no, we are not doing that anymore, Taylor. That was bad. But I think about that in hindsight now, Because when she was home for Christmas in like 2018, 2019, 
we had gone out for late night fast food one night because that was our thing. We like went to McDonald's at like midnight. <laughs> and as we were driving back to the house, she had mentioned, like we had gotten on a conversation about drug users and she had said, I don't think that they're horrible people. I just think that they're struggling. I think that they're sick. I think that we should support them. And at the time, like I had an inkling, but I didn't really know. So I was like, yes, I agree. I absolutely agree. And in hindsight, I wonder if that was her like testing the waters to see if she would be able to talk to us, even just me about it down the line, or even just if I found out somehow, how would I react at the end of the day? Like I realized I wouldn't have confronted her with it anyway, because that would have been like a breach of trust Yeah, because she had never talked to me about it. And I'd found out through snooping. So that doesn't feel very fair, but I do find some comfort in knowing that even before she passed away, I did tell her it's not bad. These aren't bad people. They're just people that are struggling. You know, she knew that she wouldn't be judged by you if she did open up to you about it. Oh yeah. And did you talk to any of her friends? Were they all surprised or did they know what happened that night? Like the night that she died? Not really. A lot of her friends were equally as like shocked and confused as we were. And again, if they did know that she was using, I also understand if they were going to say, no, I had no idea. You know, I would understand why they wouldn't want to be forthcoming with it. But no, none of them had said anything. I do know that she struggled a lot with her friends here before she moved, which was part of the reason why she was excited to move. It, it was one of those like really complicated things, like high school things where someone does something horrible to you. You tell someone like, I don't know what to do. I'm like really hurt by this person. And then her friends essentially sided with this other person instead of her like oh you're making this up you're being over dramatic so she was really upset before she moved for school because she's like all of my really close friends are being weird towards me now so I could also understand why that would be like a further stressor of course yeah is it just you and your sister do you have other siblings oh no it was just the two of us it was my mom my dad me Rachel and then for a while our dog Oscar And my bunny, but she didn't come until later. (laughs) (laughs) What was going on the campus when your sister essentially was missing? Was she missing classes and that's what raised the alarm? How was she found? So obviously they had records of like her class attendance and she did not show up for classes on Monday and Tuesday. So According to the report that we got, it was assumed that she died really late on the first or really early on the second, I believe. Around the second is when they said that she had passed away. So she wasn't located until the fifth, which meant that Monday and Tuesday were days as per normal. And she didn't go to any of her classes. They had records that she hadn't gone. And she had missed a dorm meeting on Sunday. According to the campus, they're kind of like, no one's required to attend the dorm meetings. If you can't come or you're busy or you have class or whatever, you don't need to come. So no one really thought anything of it. And that's one of the complicated parts about this happening on a campus is everyone is like independent. You're yeah. all adults. That that makes it complicated. We had contacted the university first on Tuesday and said, here's the deal. And then they were really weird about the wellness check being done. And of course, it's also because... 
when you have a dorm room, it's technically her property. So they can't just walk like waltz in. If they have reason to enter, they need to get a police officer to go with someone to go into the room. Because at that point, it's like we're paying for this room. So it's not like dorm staff can just walk in. There needs to be reason and you need to have an escort, essentially. Yeah. All of that was going on. And now we know the reason that they were being so like evasive and vague is because they were waiting for police to come to campus to enter Mm -hmm. her room. And then afterwards, they were waiting for that police department to contact our city's police department for them to then come to our house. Because they can't tell us that kind of information over the phone, you know? So how she was found was all of this was going on behind the scenes. I should also clarify that my mom was the one who learned this story. She had to go to the campus a few weeks later to pack up her room and get her things sent back home, which of course was super hard because we were the ones that also helped put all those things in to begin with yeah so while she was there she'd scheduled some meetings with like higher-ups at the university and like that kind of thing essentially to be like what happened how did we get here all of that we'd actually met with the RA that was the police escort so essentially it was like her go-to RA we all had met him when we were moving her in So he was like around my age, like mid twenties, he was notified, like we have concerns about the student, a police officer is going to be coming to enter the room. You just need to be there with him to show him where the room is. He was talking with my mom and giving her the rundown of what happened. And he said, they went into her room with the police escort and they found her like laying in bed. She had like her headphones in. It just happened while she was trying to relax. And my mom said that he was crying the whole time that he was sitting with her and the two of them were like crying together. And I feel really bad for him. I can't imagine how that would feel to be an RA. And he had told her, I feel so guilty. I'm so sorry. I didn't do more. And of course we don't blame him at all. Like everyone there is just trying to do their jobs and not be invasive in everyone's business. Yeah. And when you sign up to be an RA, you don't sign up to find a body. No. Exactly. And I felt so bad because I was like, oh man, I want to give that guy a hug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guy. yeah. He got a whole bunch of like people in her dorm floor. He got a whole bunch of them to make a scrapbook for the family. So for us, so all of them like wrote letters to Rachel and included like pictures and like dried flowers and stuff like that. And he gave it to my mom when she was there packing up stuff. So we have that displayed in the house because it was such a nice gesture that none of them needed to do but that's also how we knew like they cared they wanted this they didn't want anything like this to happen and while my mom was there she was asking about a lot of other things did my daughter try to get counseling of any kind and she had she was put on a wait list she had tried to get academic counseling and was put on a wait list which is unfortunately a very common story with these types of things. That's one of the biggest things that, that we deal with. And in my own situation, my own family, we've struggled with that as well. And when you need the help, you need it now. And it can be a life or death situation. We need the help now and there's not enough resources for people to get that help immediately. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's really hard. How was it for your family in the days and weeks after? Because you didn't have her there. It's not like you were, it's not like she was sick and died. It was just so sudden and she was out of the province. So what happens next? Mm -hmm. 
my parents took time off of work. The minister for like, my dad is a minister, but my mom also goes to another church. So we have minister friends as well. My mom called him to come over and help the day we found out. He called the airline to cancel the tickets and that kind of stuff. My dad was calling members of the family. I had to call some of her best friends. I had to call my friends. I had to call my workplaces to tell them everything. As strange as it sounds, the best part about that entire time was how many people really had our back. I swear during those like, because our her funeral was on the 16th. So it was like a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. Every day we had several people come to the house to bring like flowers and to bring food. Our church had a rotation. They had a schedule of like Roseanne is bringing lunch and then <laughs> Diane is bringing dinner. And then the next day, this person's bringing lunch and dinner. Yeah. And they had a schedule for two weeks out and they'd have a little menu. So you're going to get casserole for dinner and tomorrow you're going to get a salad and this for lunch. And of course, at the time we were like, oh my gosh, we don't even feel like eating, but we yeah. did. You need to take care of yourself. You, you have to, to eat. yeah. They really had our backs, like the least of our concerns were trying to figure out what are we going to do about work and food and school? We knew that we didn't need to worry about that, but there was like a cloud hanging over the house almost for the entirety of that year. Cause you're also going through all of the firsts, you know, the first birthday, our first birthdays, Christmas, Thanksgiving, all of those kinds of things, let alone the actual anniversary and that kind of stuff. And it was strange because it was like right before COVID. It was 2019. We went, yay, 2019 is over. 2020 (laughs) is going to be so much better, right guys? (laughs) I had such a similar experience because my husband passed away in March of 2019. And so it was the same thing. It was Mm -hmm. literally a year of all the firsts and all the hard stuff and then a pandemic. And it's like, what? You will understand this too, because the joke that my family and I had was, this is the only way that 2020 could be worse than 2019. Like 2019 (laughs) was the worst year ever. And there was a global pandemic. That was the only thing that could top it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. crazy. And did you have to go through all of the paperwork and the the estate stuff? And I know that she was young, mm-hmm. but like you still have to do all those things. So yeah. did one of your parents take on that role? My parents worked on it together. Anytime one of them made the call, the other one was sitting right there. Mm-hmm. My mom said that one of the hardest things for her was signing the cremation forms and that kind of stuff. But it also she was in Edmonton, so she needed to be brought here cremated and then we would pick the urn and the engraving and that kind of thing and that was also really hard it was I think a week or so maybe before the funeral they said hey her urn is like ready and she's been cremated and she's put in the urn do you want to come and see so we went down to the funeral home and you're put in this like tiny little room and it's the people there are obviously super nice so they're trying to be kind and they're like okay give me a second I'm gonna go get her and then the second that the urn was brought into the room we're all crying and this poor man is like I'll give you guys some time and close the door behind him and those things are also super super complicated and super hard and I think also being young herself and being young myself, a lot of her friends and my friends didn't quite understand why we wanted cremation. Mm. And part of it was like the state of how she was. We don't want 
that. Yeah. But it yeah. was also, we want to have her earn in the house. Like we'd rather have that than burying her in a graveyard. So it was another hard thing to kind yeah. of explain to her friends where they're like, oh, we want to go visit her grave. It's uh-huh. like, she doesn't have one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sorry. Like yeah. And during yeah. COVID, it's like, you can't come over yeah. <laughs> to visit. Yeah. So. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what has it been like grieving your sister? Like that piece about that sibling loss. Have you reached out for mental health support or how have you navigated that? I feel like it goes without saying, like counseling is obviously the best. I bounce from counselor to counselor a little bit after my sister died, which is also something I think not a lot of people talk about in terms of not only just grief, but healing in general. Sometimes you need to go to a few different like counselors or doctors to find one that really works for you. I started with the university counselor, which didn't go very well because they're (laughs) very like overbooked because we don't have a lot of counselors. So after like my first appointment, I'm like bawling. This is like a few days after she's died. And the counselor's like, do you need to come back for another appointment? And I'm like, yes, look at me. Maybe one or two. Yeah. And then I come back like a few weeks later, because that's the soonest that they had me in. And I said, you know, the funeral's done. That was good for healing. And then she said, okay, great. You're doing good. So then you don't need to come back. Bye. And that was it. So I was like, okay, I went to go see a different counselor. And, and again, there's no, there's nothing wrong with this because this works for some people. It was very much about like mindfulness and pushing those thoughts that are like really working through them, but then recognizing when a thought isn't needed anymore and letting it go. And I was trying to explain to this counselor, but I can't do that. Like I try and it doesn't work. And it wasn't until I found this counselor that I've been seeing now, like for three years, that she said, Taylor, you have PTSD from this event. That's why you can't just, it would be like, imagine your thoughts as bubbles and pop them. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like, it's my whole life. My counselor was like, yeah, this is why. Like, (laughs) and all of a sudden everything made sense. Like so much of the stuff that I was going through just clicked. Like, oh, that's why I can't sleep or eat or do this. Uh It's not why I have trouble going out in public. And all of a sudden everything just made sense. So obviously that helped a lot, but most of it was working through the, this person that is supposed to be there with you for almost your whole life is just gone. And there's Uh nothing you can do about it. When you lose a sibling, it's like this girl and I have done everything together. Every family vacation, every big moment in my life, every big moment in her life, any like big purchase or big move or big moment. Like we've been there together. We are a year and a half apart in age. So it was like, we went through almost all the same stuff at all the same times. We were comfortable with each other, you know? When we got later in life, when we went on family vacations, like me and my sister, would get a room and my parents would get a room so we could stay up late like we'd eat snacks and we play video games and it was fun it's just you have a different connection with a yeah. sibling especially yeah. as you old, than you do with anyone else in your life I would tell my mom stories of stuff that me and my sister Rachel would do together and she'd go oh my gosh I've, I've never heard that story and it's in those moments where you realize yeah so much of my life and so much of her life we spent together and those are just things that you don't have that connection with other people yeah it's like a good memory but in the moment you don't realize that it's going to become a really fond memory like I never Mm -hmm. thought that late night fast foods were going to be like this wholesome memory in my future and now they are it's just like the sibling relationship is so unique in that kind of way what do you do to keep her memory alive how do you honor her life 
Oh yeah. I do a lot of things, especially now, obviously, as I've moved out of my parents' place, my parents have given me a whole bunch of her stuff, like her gaming consoles and games that she used to play and stuffed animals that she had. And I like to put them on display. Mm -hmm. This is her Wii U that hasn't been touched in four years. (laughs) Just because it's, but it's also, it's so nice to have that. It's one of those things where you have those devices and it's like, if you plug it in, her account will still be there. And mm-hmm. in that sense, it's comforting to be like, all oh, of her game progress is still there. Uh-huh. Like her icon is still there. Like it's nice. But one of the bigger things that I've been doing that has been like really great and fulfilling is pretty much every year on my birthday, on her birthday, and on the anniversary of her death, we do fundraisers for Prairie Harm Reduction, which uh-huh. is in Saskatoon. It's currently like the biggest safe consumption site in the province. And it's because Rachel had taken a combination of methamphetamine and it was laced with heroin and fentanyl (sighs) is what caused her overdose. And Prairie Harm Reduction, they actually opened the day before her first like birthday after she passed away. They opened on October 1st in 2019. And we were like, whoa, this is so perfect. So obviously they do a lot of great work, not even just for people who use substances, but they like give away water and diapers and baby formula. And they offer access to like housing and counseling services and I think harm reduction in general is super great, but prairie harm reduction is super, super needed. And I think that it's like a really great way to also show government officials and the province in general, how effective these types of sites can be. Uh It's harm reduction. You're reducing harm at the source. You're trying to address the problems that cause harm to generate. We've done them like ever since she's passed away. So it's about three campaigns ish for three years. So we've raised a good amount of money for them. And they're super great. The staff is super nice. (laughs) Oh, wow. So have you been able to get outlook on how maybe common something like this is when kids go off to university? Is this something that happens a lot or maybe not? Especially since she's passed away. Even before she passed away, I worked for our university's newspaper And I was a news writer and I had written tons of articles about Sentinel and having no idea what a big effect it was going to have on my life down the line. But I'd written tons of articles about how deadly it was and about the stats behind it. And I thought it was really interesting because once Prairie Harm Reduction opened, they post their stats like every month. How does this person identify? What race are they? What did they use? How many overdoses were on site and how many deaths were on site? It's almost always zero. <laughs> because yeah. they have trained nurses there. Yeah, yeah. But it's fascinating because they also talk about financial, if they have that information, but also age demographics. It's almost always older people that are coming in. There, there's not a lot of like young adults or like teenagers. It's like people in their 40s and 50s that are coming in, which wow. I thought was fascinating because I would think that it would be younger people, especially since Rachel's passed away. Even just reading stories in the news and being a part of these groups that focus on harm reduction and opioid awareness, a lot of them are young people who have struggled with mental health or trauma. They've attempted to 
access some sort of support, it didn't work, or they couldn't access it, or they didn't have the money, or they didn't have the time. And then this was what they turned to because it was like the best case scenario for them at that option. It was their last resort. And unfortunately, it's those situations where these people get a batch laced with something, and then they pass away. And my mom had mentioned She mentioned this to me the other day. She had said, it's alarming how easy it is for people to die from tainted drugs and how little goes into actually finding the root cause. There's no investigation. No one's trying to figure out where this batch came from or anything like that. Like someone dies and they go, oh, it was a drug overdose, wipe their hands and then that's it. But like, how did we get here? How did this happen? Those questions aren't asked in the same kind of way. Yeah. Wow. That's so true. How do you feel like your family dynamic is now that you're missing a piece? Is it, is it different? Do you feel like your parents are more overly cautious or worried about you? I actually think that our family dynamic has become a lot stronger, which sounds strange to some degree, because you think that something like that would really fracture the family. And definitely in the first few year, you know, we would get into like arguments about what had happened and what we could have done. I feel like that's just normal for any family that goes through it. But especially now, I think that we're just a lot closer because we realize we need to be there for each other. We need to check in on one another. Mm -hmm. We need to spend time with each other. My parents, they want to know more about what's going on in my life. They want to know about what my friends are doing. And they'll be like, oh, how is so-and-so doing with their degree? Are they still planning on graduating and whatever? (laughs) Like we're just more invested in each other's lives. Not to say that we weren't invested before. It's just, we make more of an effort for it now. But yeah, it's definitely different, especially when you hit like an anniversary or a birthday or a special occasion. Like every year, Christmas is always really hard because Mm -hmm. that was the last time we got to see her. But it sounds cliche. Time really does heal. Like now that it's been three years, it's still sad. We can sit at the kitchen table on Christmas day and cheers to Rachel and not be like in shambles. Yeah, Yeah. A big moment for my mom was Rachel always used to do the mashed potatoes at Christmas. Cause she's like, let me do them. I'd make them the best. She did. Um, (laughs) And so what would happen is the first year. So like December of 2019, I'm like, mom, can I help with anything? I know today's going to be hard. And mom is like, no, I got this. I love cooking. So I come in towards the evening closer to dinner and I'm like, hi mom, can I help with anything? And she turns around and she's crying and holding the masher. And she's like, can you do the mashed potatoes? And as soon as we hit the year where mom didn't cry over the mashed potatoes, we were like, this, we're making progress. Like, yeah. But it's like that with all of us. Like all of us yeah. have a little thing where we see it and we're like, oh man, oh, I miss that. And yeah. you get it when you go through grief, you get it a little more because to people who haven't gone through it you're like why are you crying over like Christmas turkey like yeah (laughs) calm down yeah I remember a really good piece of advice that I was given from my counselor was it's like it's not that you need to stop doing these things it's that you can make new traditions now Uh Uh you can like and it's like over time don't just start it like as soon as you're comfortable make new Christmas traditions make new family traditions so now it's a thing where like every year for Rachel's birthday not including COVID because that was complicated but we try to go somewhere and do something Like we'll go on vacation, even like a few hours away just to go shopping or to go out for a good dinner or something like that. And it's like, that's a new tradition that we're making in spite of the bad stuff that's happened, but it's like baby steps. Well, I think it's so amazing that you're able to take this 
experience and this trauma and, you know, do something that really honors her. And I think by fundraising, by talking about it, I know like on TikTok, you're really vocal about it. And it's just, we need to talk about it more because Mm -hmm. everybody's surprised when they hear these things, but these things are happening way more frequently than we realize. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, I think the most fascinating part of me making these videos on TikTok was I talked a lot about how right when my sister died, a lot of my friends stopped talking to me or became really distant or wouldn't invite me to go spend time or wouldn't even like, do you want to come to my house and we can sit in the basement? That all stopped. And it was because at the time I was 20. So all of my friends were 20. And when you're 20, you don't really know how to deal with stuff like that. So if a friend of yours is going through it, you're kind of like, uh, like, I don't know what to do, Yeah. but I was fascinated in posting videos, talking about that. How many people were like, oh yeah, the same thing happened to me. Like when my dad died, when my boyfriend died, when this person in my life died. And it was horrible. Like people would say, oh yeah, my dad died. And after three days, my best friend was like, "Ugh, are you still sad? Really? And it's like, oh "Oh my God. God. So not only is this horrible, it's also like, at least we have a community together. Yeah, (laughs) no, absolutely. And it's true because it does make people uncomfortable, but we have to keep talking about it. So the uncomfortableness stops. You just got to figure it out. Sometimes you just don't need to say anything. Sometimes you just got to be there. Yeah. A person that I was like really close with in high school passed away. And these were kind of people that after my sister died, we stopped talking. There became a rift between us. And after this person passed away, I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. But I'm also like, they are now in the shoes that I was in in 2019. What are you going to do? That was my whole viewpoint. Cause I'm like, now is not the time to be bitter. What are you going to do? Yeah. And it felt obvious, but I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to show up for these people. And me and my two other friends were the only classmates that showed up. And I was furious. I'm like, are you kidding me? But then it made me, first of all, It's just good to go for me, let alone for the other people that need support there. But it's also, this is exactly it. If it's uncomfortable, people aren't going to go. And going there and being able to hug those people and not say anything, just be there for them. It felt like healing for all of us because it's like, yeah, we're all going to deal with this in life. Like we just, we're people. You got to have each other's backs. (laughs) When the going gets tough, we are all that we have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much for taking the time out of yeah. your day. And that's a really yeah. vulnerable story to share. And Rachel sounds like she was amazing. And I think it's really important that you're sharing her story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And thank you guys also for, first of all, inviting me on, but also for having a podcast like this. Cause as you guys have said, like, we got to talk about the hard stuff and make it not necessarily normal, but normal to talk about, make it yeah. not uncomfortable. Yeah. I think our biggest goal is just to share these stories and for people to feel less alone and to oh, know yeah. that there's people like you out there. And when you're struggling, there's a community that you can find that has maybe gone through something similar and can support you and help you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Again, we're people. We've got to take care of each other. Exactly. <laughs> That's all we got. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life is hard. We need help. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can't do this alone. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Taylor, thank you so much. And hopefully you enjoy the rest of your day. And we will we'll have to connect again really soon. 
Yes. Oh, absolutely. Perfect. Thank you guys for <laughs> having me on and try and stay cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hot. It is hot. Too. <laughs> All right. Bye Great. guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, darling. My gosh, Taylor, thank you so much for being on our podcast. Oh my gosh. She is just the most adorable, bright, sunny person. I yeah, like well-spoken, funny, yes. I just all around fantastic. I just love that her and her family are supporting these causes of harm yes. reduction in her sister's memory. That's really I nice. Know. I know, to go through something so devastating and so tragic and then turn it into a way to help others so that they don't experience that. It's just a level of, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, like but- I wanted to say badassery, but... I don't know if that's a word or the right one. And I'm also fired up. I was talking to Lindsay about this yesterday, about the fact that when somebody dies of a drug overdose, it stops there. Nobody goes on to investigate where did the drugs come from? Who laced it with fentanyl and heroin? Like, why don't we try to go after the people that are like lacing these drugs? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how to do I'm awkward with transitions, but I want you to tell me about the dream that you had. Oh, yeah. I had a dream last night that I was working at the bank. And every time I have a dream about the bank, it's always that we have closed, but people just keep coming in, Mm, Um, which is like a nightmare. So people just kept coming in and we're like, no, we're closed. But they kept finding ways to get in because the door wasn't locked. But I was working with Pete Davidson, obviously. I don't know who that is. Oh, my God. Kim Kardashian's boyfriend. Okay. Is she is she pregnant? <laughs> no, what? Somebody's pregnant. Pete Davidson is from Saturday Night Live. He was dating oh. Ariana Grande. And then yeah. why did they so, break up? Oh, I don't know. It was years ago. Oh, they okay, were like sorry. engaged. <laughs> oh, I'm going to introduce you to some gossip websites so you can get yourself yeah. up to speed on this. Clearly, you're not on the same side of TikTok I'm on. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> You're on Vabbing um, and Pete Davidson. Oh, God. Anyway, so I don't know. Kylie was pregnant, but she already had her baby six months ago, Carly. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's Except be... Cleo is having another baby and her surrogate is pregnant. Oh. Yeah. And Cleo, Courtney, and Kim. No, Cleo. No, 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 no. Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Did oh, I no. say Cleo or did you? No, I did. Whoa, so who needs to catch up on their <laughs> gossip now? Chloe. <laughs> oh, Cleo. no. Cleo Kardashian is like the one that they don't talk about. <laughs> we talk oh, my God. Someone talked about me on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Anyway, so I had a dream. Pete Davidson was at the I was bank. working with Pete Davidson. We were trying to close down the bank. And then him and I went off and like ma'am does kim know mm-hmm. no she doesn't need to know but kim if you're this listening whole, this was just a dream there's this whole clip about kim kardashian being like i wasn't really looking for anything but i heard about this bde meaning like he has a big big d energy yeah and i'm gonna tell you i i can confirm oh my god <laughs> pete you son of a gun <laughs> Anyway, that's all. Now I'm embarrassed. That's wild. It was wild. It was pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty Great. Good. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we're gonna have to tag Pete and Kim in this episode. Oh God. Yeah. Anyway, that's all. that's amazing. What else is amazing is that everybody should do a few things. Download okay. our episodes. Yeah. Sign up for our Patreon if you can. Yeah. If you can. And follow us on social media. Yes. We are on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. We also have a Facebook group that we have neglected, but we are going to get back into the Facebook group and yeah, do some things. Do whatever you do on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. That's us. All right. Let's enjoy. We're going to record a Patreon now. Speaking of. Yes, we are. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's do that. I hope everyone has a great week. Okay. Me too. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.